All right, Wit. So you thought uh, Nebraska was going to beat Oklahoma this weekend? No, no, no. I, I, I need well, you to no, no. no, no, no. I, I'll accept it. Yeah, yeah I, I need you. Right. I need you to explain yourself. Okay, so look, guys, I'm not an idiot. I'm not an idiot. I yeah, knew, you are. I know Oklahoma's a better football team. I said this too. I explained this. I know Oklahoma's a better football team. Oklahoma, in my eyes, on paper, should have beaten Nebraska. I picked Nebraska out of the irony that is college football. In my eyes, I'm like, Scott Frost just got fired. The game's at home. What better time for just a completely random, off-the-wall upset like Nebraska knocking off a top-five team in Oklahoma? And and when Oklahoma is playing some of the best football I've seen Oklahoma play in a long time, too. So, I, I mean, obviously, we all saw the game. That's not what happened whatsoever. But I told everybody, it was Nebraska was either going to win that game or Oklahoma was going to win by 58. And it was, you know, I think that was close to what the score ended up being. It was an absolute beatdown. The problem Nebraska has can't be fixed from an interim head coach. Yep. And now the, now the crowd, it was like the 375th sellout game that they've had. That's really impressive. That Those fans are hardcore for a less than impressive football team. But you can't fix that just by having an interim head coach. It looked kind of scary, though. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. When they scored that first touchdown – and the defense was kind of, you know, not playing too well. And they threw that wide open touchdown pass in the end zone. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I was sitting in my office watching the game and I was pissed. Like, you got to be kidding me. This is, this is this is exactly what would happen. And then they figured things out and I was happy again. Very happy. They look good. Georgia looks good. Alabama looked good. But, you know, they played uh, who? Um, the well, Louisiana Monroe, the worst stadium on my uh, road trip. That was that might be the worst college stadium I've seen altogether. Granted, they're usually they're usually not that bad, but Vandy looks like a high school stadium. Vandy, yeah, that's what I was like, is, is it worse than Vandy? Vandy, have you been to Vanderbilt? Have you been on? Have you been? To I the mean, stadium? drove past it. It's not that bad. It's not as bad as a it's high not. school stadium. Louisiana Monroe is is worse than Harrison High School Stadium. So it's on the level of like like Savannah State Stadium. It, it's yes, it is. It, it's that bad. It looks just like Savannah State Stadium. Wow, actually, wow. They have one stand. So like the outside of it isn't that bad because they have this one stand that goes really high and they have a cool little statue thing on top of it. So that part's cool and, and it says like Warhawks down the like the spine of it. But then when you drive around it to look at the field, the other side is just one pair of bleachers. Like it's it looks like the away side at Harrison High School. The wow. other side of the, of, the, of the stadium. It's gross. It is gross. That campus is gross, too. The only cool thing about that campus is a big eagle statue they have right in front of, like, the main student center. And but everything else around there is awful. Besides, well, they and they also have a, um, oh, what's that place called? What's that? What's it? Oh, my. Oh, they have a Canes. They have a Raising Canes. That's the only thing I liked about Louisiana Monroe. Raising Canes with a drive-thru. Totally off topic. Uh, are you a Canes guy or a Zaxby's guy? I, I had to had to ask. Canes for sure. Matt, are you Canes guy? I think Canes is guy? my favorite. Canes is better than Zaxby's. Ah, good, good, good men here. Good men. I think Canes. You like Zaxby's better? Yeah, I think it's just because I eat it more. But even when I lived in Athens, I didn't eat Canes. Zaxby's is more prominent in Georgia, but Canes is better. Like the sauce is better. I think Zaxby's chicken itself might be better. Yes, but the sauce, I think the chicken's the better. fries are better from Canes. The bread and the bread is way better from Canes. Canes, Zaxby's, or Otters? Canes, Canes. Ot- it's so close though. I otters, love, I love uh, otters. otters. Is just, just you know the the local feel. The, yeah, the otters like over otters. here also gets kind of ruined otters for me. This one sucks. The, like the food's fine, because but compared otters. to the other otters, it's not that good. The one, the new one that's over by that volcano, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. In yeah. the Kennesaw um, Marketplace. Parkway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kennesaw, yeah. That yeah. one's really good. Yeah, and it's a little, it's a little bigger. It's a little nicer. Yeah. Uh, I, I like how you can walk up and get your sauces. Yep. I like that. But yeah, the, the OG one in the, the the avenue is is the. We need to bring yeah. otters. Oh to yeah, States yeah, yeah. That's, that's home sweet home. Yeah, that's home sweet home. They should sponsor the show. We need to get back on topic. <laughs> uh, Matt, what did you like about Alabama this weekend? I mean, the defense had showed signs of of being back. Uh, Treshawn Holden looked good again. Jermaine Burton looked good again. But hard to say that there was anything that really stood out to me about Alabama being great. I mean, they they played against Louisiana Monroe, and they looked great the week before they played Texas. And I was like, okay, you know, like I I know that it was Utah State, but – Hey, let's. I like the way that we that we played. The receivers looked good, and then we played Texas, and it was the exact opposite. So, uh, and then we play Vandy this week. So, I don't really know that I'll see anything more that'll tell me anything. I mean, it. Alabama's just a. They're very much going to be, I think, like last year's Alabama, where they're going to out talent a ton of teams and that's what where they're going to win. I don't think Bill O'Brien's play calling this past weekend was overly impressive again. Um it, it just I mean it was a 63-7 win. There's things to complain about. The offense kind of went cold for the entire second half. They had like 6 yards of offense for most of the second quarter. So it, it's like come on like you, you can't rely against good teams have a pick six and uh, a punt return for a touchdown consistently like you're you're not going to be able to do that against Tennessee you're not going to be able to do that against Arkansas uh you're not going to be able to rely on that against Ole Miss you're not going to be able to rely on that against pretty much any of these SEC teams LSU looked pretty good this weekend NM's defense is too good to mess around with so like I I I worry about Alabama in a lot of respects uh on the offensive side which is crazy considering they have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner but he didn't even he look won, that great he won he, two- he won by default all right now, no, he now now he he won the Heisman by default. I, I won't give you that. And he still won it. Yeah, he still won it. But I mean, uh, who else really like? Uh, it, it was it was just an un- uneventful Heisman season last year, wasn't it? With yeah, it was. I mean, I think Stroud had a strong case last year too. He's a, but he was like okay. He like year, it wasn't but... like nobody nobody was blow your doors off. Just no, like wow, no one ran away with it. But I also thought that was kind of why I respected Bryce Young winning it last year because it wasn't like a. Like like the year, well, I mean, Devontae Smith, it kind of was the same deal. Like, no, Devontae I mean, Smith was like, yeah, yeah, see, see, that's what I'm talking about. Devontae Smith was like, wow, this you, dude, you this dude made, is like the reason yeah, but, why they're but he good. Was, but he was a receiver. That's that's what made it exactly, different, which no, was awesome, he, which was awesome. He was a reason I'm why. Not, I'm not saying he won it by default. I'm saying he won it like, like it wasn't a done deal when it came to time of the Heisman that he was going to win it. Because it usually goes to a quarterback, and he had Mac Jones putting up unreal numbers because of Devontae Smith, and you had Kyle Trask putting up unreal oh, numbers. Oh, Matt, don't don't you dare! We we had the same argument last year. Oh, the let's same, hear it. The let's same hear it. argument last year. Devontae Smith was the reason Mac Jones shined last year. You you you, you come on, dude. Come on. It was two years ago. It was two years ago. Two years it, ago. It, it's not just Devontae. He had Devontae. Uh, Jalen Waddle was hurt a lot of the year. He had Najee Harris. I mean, it, Mac Jones balled out. He balled out because he had times, weapons. How many times did you see Spencer Rattler missed open open wide receivers last year? Oh, all the time, all the time. But exactly. but what, so, what we're so not going to do is sit here and compare Spencer Rattler to Mac Jones. Mac Jones open. is clearly better than Spencer Rattler. Clearly Ooh, better. I disagree. What did you see him this weekend? He looked great. He had two picks. One one <laughs> <good throw. laughs> one one good throw the whole game. Oh, God. 
Uh, Mac Jones. Mac Jones is good. Like, listen, I, 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 I will, I will take back what I said about him not being good. He is a good football player, but he was really good because of the weapons he had. And I'm and if, if Spencer Rattler had Mac Jones's talent, he would have been in the Heisman, you know, Heisman race like Mac Jones was. So, womp womp. I'm holding my Mac Jones opinion back for fear of getting further deeper into this hallway we've dug ourselves. Yeah, we're, we're in a deep hole. <laughs> Wait, what, what'd, you, what, what'd you like about Georgia this weekend? Uh, I'll tell you this, man. You know, I was in Columbia, South Carolina for the game. Um, I have cousins that are season ticket holders, and, you know, they get to go in the cockaboose, which uh, for those of you that don't know and or haven't been to Columbia, South Carolina, they their big tailgating thing is they tailgate in, like, trains. Like it's that's not all they do. Like they have lots of fairgrounds and stuff around it, so they have lots of like tenant tailgates. But the people that can afford it, because it's like buying an apartment, they're like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to buy. You buy this little caboose, and it's got like a TV, it's got a bathroom, it's like a mini studio apartment. But you go in there and you tailgate. It's got like a, <clears throat> it's got like a little balcony on it and all this stuff, and it's super 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 cool. So we got to go in that. Um, they had a big tailgate walking distance from the stadium, right next to the cockwalk. Got to do the cockwalk. Saw, <laughs> saw Shane Beamer, Spencer Rattler was like like you know me to Lando's, pretty cool. Um, and I uh, got to sit, you know, I think we were about eleven rows up from the field in the end zone. Um, so I saw a couple of cool plays. I mean, we were in the, the end zone, so to me, those aren't like phenomenal seats because you don't see everything that's going on. But when it's in your end zone, it's really cool to see like some of the plays that happen, like the Brock Bowers tiptoe catch he had in the back of the end zone. I don't know if you guys actually watched the game. Nope. They, it was right in my corner of where I was sitting, so that was really cool. Uh, but Georgia looked awesome. Stetson Bennett, I think that was the worst game he's played this year, um, and I don't even think he played bad. Apparently, he was sick, too. Somebody said he was throwing up on the sideline, but I did not see that. You mentioned Brock Bowers, man. Brock Holy Bowers cow, what a is unbelievable. Game. I, I honestly think... Uh, I mean, he didn't put up the numbers the first two weeks, which is why I don't think he, he'd actually win it. But if, I think... And I love Stetson. I think Stetson's put up the numbers to be considered how he's being considered for the Heisman. But if anybody's going to win it for Georgia, I honestly think it should be Brock Bowers because that guy is unbelievable. Yeah, he's a beast. He's unbelievable. I think if he got the amount of touches that Kyle Pitts got when he was at Florida, he would be at least in the top three of the Heisman voting right now. I mean, he had, what, 182 yards last week? He had a play. I mean, he had like a 72-yard touchdown, and he juked three people out. And the dude's like 280 pounds. He's huge. He's an, he's an animal. He's he is gonna be. He's like he's like college Gronk right now. Yeah, the way that he's playing. I mean, like he's faster Stetson, though. I got I got to give Stetson credit because he's he's playing out of his mind good right now. I think the confidence goes a long way. And I was actually talking to a guy about this. Like he has nothing to lose. Like he won the Natty last year. The, the 1980 comments don't matter to Georgia anymore. They just get to play. And Stetson doesn't have to look over his shoulder constantly and feel like he's got somebody that's waiting to come in. And the fan base is kind of accepted like, all right, yeah, you know, we're cool with Stetson. He won us an Addy. And I think that comfort and that confidence has changed his style of play completely. Like he's just out there playing ball. And when you have a weapon like Brock Bowers to throw to, helps out and i mean brock bowers takes a lot of attention away from some of these other guys too like lad mcconkey uh which that dude he had a really good week that i I guess that first week against oregon and then he made a couple of plays i didn't really get to watch any of the georgia game this week but uh because i was tailgating at the time but uh yeah i mean brock bowers is 
I would have him in the top five for Heisman candidates right now. I would too. I would too, honestly. I think Stetson is five right now in like the Vegas betting favorites. I'm pretty sure Bryce Bryce Young. It's Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. Um, I can't remember who else is up there. I think Caleb Williams is three. And then somebody else and then Stetson. It might like B. John Robinson or something like that might be up there. But I uh I mean I think if Brock puts up the numbers he did against South Carolina, it'll it, that hype will come because I think he's in that. Like, there's people are starting to talk about it, but we'll see. It's kind of how it, it goes though with the Heisman every year is you've got to have that one game that gets everybody talking, and then you got to be consistent. And then whenever it comes, because like Monte Smith, the year that he won the Heisman, uh, he had that 200 yard four touchdown game against Ole Miss. And nobody really said anything about it. It was just like, oh yeah, you know, he had a, he had a big game, and then he did it again like two or three weeks later, and everyone was like, wait a second. And then that's what put him on the map. And then he had the LSU game where he was mossing dudes one handed, and that's whenever it was that people were like, all right, Devonte Smith is going to win the Heisman this year. It, and it's it's harder for a skill player too. Like quarterbacks are naturally going to be the favorite, and there's you have guys like the Mad Dog who go on national TV and say that they're not voting. They've got a Heisman vote, and they're not voting for anybody other than a quarterback, which is stupid. But stupid. Uh, there are voters that do that. So It's like the Georgia AP poll. Is that? Said it's a lot like the AP poll. Uh, I, I saw someone on Twitter today, and it was like the analytics for all the people who vote in the AP poll and their affiliations and whatnot. And I was just going through like some of the ones that kind of stuck out and – they had, I don't know, some people had USC at like number three. Some people had Penn State really high. Some people had other teams. And I'm just like, well, why do people like this get, get even get a say in, in what happens in college football in terms of rankings? Or like you said, Mad Dog said he's, he's only going to vote for a quarterback for the Heisman. Like, why does he get what, what makes him so special to where he gets a, a vote in the Heisman? I feel like coming out and saying something like that should get your vote repealed. Like they should be like, all right, well, you don't get to vote now because you've openly said that you're not voting for anybody unless they're a quarterback. Yeah. And and that's crap. It's like, biased. You 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 now have no chance of winning the Heisman if you're Brock Bowers in Mad Dog's eyes. Which honestly, if Georgia puts up 40 points a game this year, I think Stetson's got a really good chance at winning it just because of all the exposure that he's gonna get. And that's and that's not me saying th- saying that Stetson necessarily will deserve it. Like Brock Bowers may deserve it more, but if it, it is a quarterback award, and it's really hard for Bowers, he's a tight end. I mean, that's going to make it even. Has a tight end ever won the Heisman? Do we know? Do we know that off the top? No, of no chance. No, no, no way. Not even close. No way. I think only two receivers or three receivers have won. It's only been the two receivers. Tim Howard mm. and no, Desmond it's been Howard, three receivers. Desmond uh, Howard. Yeah, he was a, yeah, he was a receiver. Uh, Tim Brown. Sorry, I said Tim Howard. Tim Brown, Notre Dame, and then Devontae Smith. Yep. So it's only been th- three. If, uh, if you go back to 1936, you got Larry Kelly, who won the Heisman as a tight end. Oh, okay. Well, no. There's one. Really? We have one. We have two. 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 And Leon Hart, 1949. Yeah, Larry so Kelly and Leon Hart. <laughs> you, know, you know, I, well, <laughs> listen, listen. Honestly, I'm shocked that I was able to name the, the, the three receivers that won the Heisman. Because a lot of people who, wouldn't have been named. Uh, who ended up getting second in the Heisman race to Devontae Smith? Was it Kyle Pitts? Because he was up there. Lawrence. Lawrence Trevor. How? 
Ah, whatever. Uh, I mean, Devontae Smith had a big year, though, man. He's Trevor Lawrence. No, Devontae Smith deserved it, but I don't know. I mean, Kyle, Kyle Pitts that year was so good. It was. I think you could say the same thing about Kyle Pitts that you could about Devontae Smith for Alabama. Well, I mean, listen, like th- th- there are a lot of like years where somebody won the Heisman where the person who was in second yeah. or third that like could have easily won it as well. Like, yep. let's go to like I don't know, uh, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, Adrian Peterson never won one. True. Uh, Peyton Manning never won one. Vince Vince Young didn't win one. Vince Young never won a Heisman. Vince Young did not. He got second to got Reggie, second. Bush, Reggie Bush. Least, so, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people who are really deserving of winning the Heisman that just, for some whatever reason, just didn't yeah. win it. Aaron Murray yeah. never won one. Yeah, huh, whatever. Give, <laughs> give, uh, give Reggie Bush's Heisman back, by the yeah, way. Yeah, give it back. I'm in for okay, that. Okay, have you guys seen that commercial with Wendy's where uh, – I don't know. They're yes. unveiling the new like breakfast burger, and he's like, "Oh, I'm finally getting it back." And then they're like, "Oh, it's only for a limited time." <laughs> at the end, <laughs> I've seen that. They show that on a bunch of like the ESPN commercials. Oh, man, Those are funny. super funny. Well, since nobody's going to ask me about Oklahoma and how I feel about it, how was Oklahoma this week, Orlando? Okay, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I watched the game in my office. I uh, used used up half, uh, actually ninety percent of my hotspot to watch it on my laptop. Uh, honestly, I feel good about it. Uh, I hope we keep flying under the radar. Not, a lot of people are kind of just overlooking us. And, you know, we're just kind of doing what we're supposed to do. We're, we're beating the teams that last year would have given us problems. So last year, if we would have played Nebraska in that environment with Lincoln Riley as head coach, we most definitely either uh, Nebraska would have covered that, that that spread. What was it, 11 and a half? Um, mm, I, think, yeah. I think it was yes, 11 and a half. It was. We definitely, if we would have beaten Nebraska, it would have been a shootout probably – 65 to to 59 or we would have lost that game this team came in prepared they got punched in the mouth early and they made adjustments and then they came out and did what they were supposed to do against an inferior football team so i'm happy with what i see i think brent venables is doing a good job honestly i watched that game saturday and for the first time i could say that oklahoma looked like an sec football team from all standpoints Defensively was swarming, swarming to the football, making plays, tackling. Tackling is awesome. They finally look physical. Offense was slow in the beginning, but they finally got the running game going. Passing game is eh, okay. It it could be better. So I I think towards the end of the year, we're going to be looking really good. Uh, And I would say, too, honestly, I mean, looking at last year, all the the new coaching changes, changes and everything, Brent Venables and Lincoln Riley are easily, so far in year one, the best hires. Not like, not even yeah. close. Not even close. Not even close. Because Lincoln Riley is doing a good job. Yeah, great job. Their their defense, they struggle with physicality, but they 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 take advantage of having opportunities to get interceptions yeah. or force turnovers. So that's good. Brent Venables, considering that forty percent of the roster was gone, all the coaching staff is gone. Uh, the things basically just Lincoln Riley just took that entire OU program to USC, and the fact that the team is what number six in the country. It looks really good on defense, especially. I think that's shocked a lot of people. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. The, um, I'll say for Oklahoma too. I mean, I think so far they look exactly how like you and me have been saying they're going to look coming into this year, where the defense looks very much improved. You can tell Venables has had his hands all over it. You like you knew Oklahoma had the talent on defense. They just had to have the right coaching, and then you bring in Jeff Levy who has the experience with Dylan Gabriel. You still have Marvin Mims. You still have Eric Gray at running back. The the people question the offensive line. Offensive line for Oklahoma, I feel like, is always yeah, going to be pretty fine. good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's other receivers that have you know ended up 
Farouk. My only problem with Jeff Levy is I think he moves too fast sometimes. Like some of those drives, like we'll we'll get say five yards and then we're right back on the ball and and then it'll be a loss for like six yards. Like sometimes I think he can he can get a little too quick and it kind of just messes up with the tempo and the how the offense flows. But I think over time that'll get better. Um, offensive line look good, like I said. Uh, just you know, hey, looking good, looking good. I think I think we could we could compete with those top four teams. Finally, I agree. I agree. Oklahoma has a new identity, and Brent Venables brought that and established it really quickly. Like I thought, it might take him a year before he was going to have everybody playing. But he was going to have his standard be at Oklahoma, but they started off right off the rip. I mean, that's a that is a completely different Oklahoma team that we've seen the past couple of years. Here's a stat, and this will be the last thing I'll say about Oklahoma, and we can move to something else. Uh, through three games, Oklahoma has given up 30 points on defense. Last year, and the first game alone against Toledo, not Toledo, um, Tulane, Oklahoma gave up 35 points in one game, the first game of the season. This year, through three games, they've only given up 30 points. So that's awesome. that. Huge, I mean, massive improvement, massive improvement. So we, we can move on. Let's talk about like Miami or something or <laughs> Texas A&M. Well, before we get to that, I, Matt, I want to hear about your experience at Ole Miss, or Georgia that. Tech. I know you and Nathan got to go to the game. Did P-Pop and everybody go too, or was it just y'all two, or how that ended up? It was out? so. So uh, it was it was everybody. So uh, the the in laws went. Uh, my wife went. Anna Marie went. Um, Nathan went. Then some of uh, Alan's fraternity brothers from Ole Miss, one of his fraternity brothers and his his wife came and to Atlanta and met up with us. And we went down to the game. And that is so. I've lived in Georgia my entire life. I've lived in Atlanta for six years or in the Atlanta area, and I have never been to Georgia Tech for a football. <laughs> neither, game. neither I, have I. Same. <laughs> I, can, I can say the same. Nope, never, never been to one. Like I had always, I had always had this perception that it was going to feel very similar to like Georgia State because I had been down on the Tech campus before when I worked in in Buckhead and I, I used to have to go down to Midtown and uh, Techwood to go meet with clients and that whole area was just it felt very similar to Georgia State where like just in downtown Atlanta but this weekend like going down there i can certifiably say like georgia tech has more potential than i've ever given it credit for and and it's because when you're on campus you don't feel like you're in downtown atlanta you kind of feel like you're in your own little separate city and it's kind of cool um the stadium is pretty cool like i mean it's it's you know your your average stadium it, skyline's it, it's pretty not cool back there yeah the skyline's really cool like you can see the skyline you've got like the atmosphere I, and and I was telling I was saying this like while I was there I was like you know if they really wanted to go all in on the 404 culture type thing that Jeff Collins has tried to bring in like I remember whenever I was in high school I guess it was about 2009 2010 and I was on the way to Savannah for I was going to watch like a, me and a group of friends were going to meet up in Savannah and on the way down there was a Saturday night. Uh, I was just scrolling through the radio, and I stumbled along the Tech game. And you could hear how loud that place was. And, and they were constantly playing, like, Roscoe Dash all the way turned up. And, like, that stadium would get loud. And they don't really embrace that anymore. 
Like there's a lot of Atlanta culture that they could implement and bring in. I think that Georgia Tech's just they've got to get a new coach, man. Jeff Collins has got to go. I mean, that that is that program is in such a, a dump right now. It was really cool to experience the whole tech thing. You know, we tailgated literally in the varsity parking lot. So like you could walk that walk over, get a chili dog, hang out over. We we brought some food. Uh there's several Ole Miss folks right there. Uh, a lot of lot of students that came and made the trip. It was probably about three quarters full stadium, 50, 50 tech Ole Miss fans, I would say. Um, so it, it was, I just think Georgia tech one, they're in like a very, I think they're in a critical part of their program right now. They are either going to never get fixed. They're going to just continue to plummet. And next thing you know, they're going to be Vandy of the ACC because of academic standards or this is this next hire is so crucial that it's the one that could turn them back to being an eight and four, eight and four, nine and three is all that we're we're talking about, like for tech being back and then competitive with Georgia once every four years. Concession lines were horrible. I mean, absolutely awful. We went down to go get uh, a couple beers and some water, and there was six minutes left in the second quarter. And we, I stood there from that time and did not get back to my seat until there was three minutes left before the third quarter kicked off. It was halftime. So wait, 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 wait. You, you, you left to go get beer at six minutes before halftime, and then you didn't get back to your seat until three minutes in the third quarter. Three minutes before the third quarter started. Oh, so, okay. Okay, I heard you wrong. I was about to say, holy crap. But, I mean, I missed six minutes of game time. Yeah, okay. Plus 17 minutes of halftime. That was just – that was that was awful. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I told Nathan, I said, no, I kind of see why people like him that grew up doing the tech thing and the tech traditions – why they're so frustrated and they they feel like they have that passion and that desire. I just feel like most of the recent alumni base doesn't because they haven't had a lot of athletic success and most of their student body doesn't really care. Like they're not going to give money to football to get Jeff, to get Jeff Collins out of town. They're, they're okay with like, Hey, if football's good, cool. If football's bad, whatever, it doesn't really matter. I'm an engineer and I make bank. Yeah, and um, Matt, I'm kind of like you, man. Like I was saying, I've never been to a game at Georgia Tech. I grew up in Kennesaw, Georgia, which is literally like 30 minutes away from the stadium. Uh, I grew up closer to Georgia Tech than I did Georgia, and I've been to over 10 Georgia-Georgia Tech games, and none of them have been in Bobby Dodd Stadium. Never once, even though it's closer than Sanford Stadium. Um, and it's not in you know disrespect to Tech either, even though I do hate them. Um, it's just because I haven't gone. And I mean, I haven't really had a reason to, I don't know tons of tech fans. Um, but since coming back from Nashville, I do a lot of work with Georgia tech. I drive around their campus a lot. Um, I've seen their football field. I've been inside the stadium. I haven't stood on the field, but I've been inside the stadium. Um, I like, I know they have a good stadium. I know they have a good fan base. They have all their Greek life is right outside the stadium, like right outside the stadium. The tailgates, I've never driven around for a tailgate, but you can tell where like the main spots are for students. And uh, and I mean, the, it's cool because the stadium's right in the dead center middle of campus, which I think is awesome, awesome. 
you get everybody can walk to the field. It's right across the street from all the dorms and everything too. They have the potential in the city of Atlanta. They have the potential. It's a great school, but and uh, and honestly, I think Jeff Collins did a really good job of recruiting there. Also, like what he did with the four hundred four culture and all that, very cool. They changed up the uniforms for it. It looks awesome. They just didn't win football games. That's the problem. You can do that. You can have all the gimmicks. You can do all this crazy stuff to finally get a team back on the map. And you can have the good recruiting classes like they've had, but you still you can't go three and nine three years in a row and then start off going, what are they, one and three? There's a one and two. And two. One and two. Because they lost, yep. And they got blown up by Clemson and then they got blown up by Ole Miss. And honestly, two teams they should lose to, but you got to show some kind of life. And honestly, and I mean, I didn't get to watch the Western Carolina game, a kind of scoreboard watch, but it they were close at halftime of that game. Like they were, they were not blowing Western Carolina out either. So, I I, I will not be shocked if if uh, he gets fired. I think he'll get fired pretty soon. Um, and a name that I've heard swinging around, and I've heard people talking about that are inside the Georgia Tech program is Deion Sanders. And at first, I was kind of like, "You're kidding me." Like, there's no way. Like, Deion Sanders is Wait, not going to... Georgia Tech? Georgia Tech. Deion Sanders, Georgia Bull Tech. Crap. Yeah, and when at first I was like, no way. There's no chance. I don't see it happening. I don't even think it would be good for Georgia Tech. I don't see why they would do that. But could you imagine if he did decide to go back to the city of Atlanta, where he played for the Braves, he played for the Falcons, takes that same 404 culture that Jeff Collins had, and does what he did at Jackson State, but at Georgia Tech, and obviously it would more than likely bring... Um, remind me of the number one recruit's name. Travis Hunter brings Travis Hunter with him. Um, they could do some huge, huge, huge. That's things. not going to happen because it's not going to happen because the people that Deion Sanders is is recruiting. Let's just be honest; they're not going to be able to keep up with the um, academic standards at Georgia Tech that they will Jackson State. Well, I think he's recruiting a different type of player to Jackson State than he would at Georgia. Tech. No, he 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 would more he would definitely recruit that type of player. That he's getting at Jackson State to Georgia Tech. He'd probably bring a lot of players over. I guarantee you he'd bring his... But it, his I think just the academic standard... Nephew over. That, that, that at Georgia Tech is is requiring... That is it, tough. It's, it's, it's going to be tough. The thing is, too, though, I mean, you can work around the academic standard. I think that's a terrible excuse for why teams can't recruit, too. Like, Stanford, Stanford has had some top five football teams. And that's as hard, if not a tougher school to get into than Georgia Tech. Like, I think that is an awful, awful awful excuse for not having a good football team. What it is, is those schools care more about academics than they do football. So they don't put the money into the football program that teams like Georgia, Oklahoma, Alabama do. Fair enough. Okay. Georgia's a good yeah. school. Oklahoma's a good enough. school. Alabama, even though people don't think it is, it's a good school. I know it's a good school. I know people that went there and they're all smarter than me. So it's But Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia, LSU, all these top tier teams, Ohio State, all good schools, they care more about their football program than they do actual academics. They're going to pump money into the football program because they know they're going to get more money from having a good football team that is on mainstream media, ESPN, more than they are of having the next brilliant scientist. Can you guys name any scientists? I can't name a single one. I can name 45 football players on this year's team for Georgia. I don't even know if they have 45 football players. And their dogs. And their dogs. I can name Fido. I can name Drake. I can name them all. So, I just... I, I agree with. It'd be really cool if if Dion went there. Look at but hold I, on, I, Ray continued. Look at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt put put in like six point three billion dollars to their program last year, 
And they look worlds better this year. Worlds better. They look a million times better. But they also have a football coach there that believes in Vanderbilt. I mean, and, and like literally believes in them and wants that and is out there ba- – like I don't think that Jeff Collins is knocking on the doors of alumni saying, hey, you make Oof. a ton of money. How I disagree. I disagree with that. I think effort for Jeff Collins is not the problem. Oh no! I, I well, but I think it's effort mostly for Jeff staff. Collins, to be honest, I think effort for Jeff Collins initially wasn't the problem. He had everybody bought into it, but then he went three and nine, and then three and nine again, and everyone says, "Wait a second, I you got to start winning before we before we do anything else." And on top of that, your best player overall left and went to Alabama. Lost one of your best defenders, and they went to that's now starting at Ole Miss. They had another guy that left that is starting somewhere else. Like, you can't, I think he's at Mississippi State, starting at Mississippi State. So, you lose three of your starters to go to SEC programs, and all of those players come out and say, Oh, I love my teammates, but the the development wasn't there. There was no development. And so, if you're a donor, and Jeff Collins, like, when he initially came in, he had everybody's support. And then he went three and nine, and everybody gave him the pass of, which was rightfully so, hey, you're switching from a true triple option to a spread. It's really hard to do that. It is and tough. then and then in 2020, everybody gave him the excuse of, oh, COVID. And then in 2021, he was competitive in a lot of games, like against Clemson, where they had Clemson on the ropes last year. And it was like, oh, Jeff Collins is building momentum. And then all of that is just gone. Like they are – awful this year they lost all of their best players on a year where they had teams like clemson on the ropes they lost those guys to to bigger and better programs because they don't believe that georgia tech and jeff collins are going to put them in the nfl yep so it i was i was telling nathan this i said i feel like georgia tech is in a really weird spot because they're gonna have to they're gonna have to strike lightning in a bottle with the right it's got to be the perfect hire because it's got to be somebody that's able to recruit, but they've also got to be, a, in my opinion, a better developer than a recruiter. Because recruiting, you go, you can get a bunch of three-star guys that just were kind of under the radar and develop them into being highly competitive in the ACC. Well, anyway. I've talked, for, I've talked right. about Georgia longer than I ever wanted to. So Same. Mailbag. You want to read the mailbag? Sure, why Actually, not? <laughs> Lando, Lando's favorite pr- commenter has the first these, question. Pronounce these damn... Oh, Picorni Aaron. <clears throat> Mailbag, Picorni Aaron. He asked, what problems do you see with UGA's run game? None, because UGA looks really good. How about you, Wit? The run game... They played nobody. They haven't played anybody <laughs> anyway. God. Oregon was a top 11 team, thank you very much. Uh, or- and they just beat the crap out of the team that was sp- I, I, that they- beat the crap out of the team that was supposed to win the Big 12 this year. Yeah, well, listen, um, I think we're probably putting a little too much stock in both Baylor and BYU, but that, that's just my opinion. Probably. Oregon, and I, I mean, I did watch the Oregon game. They looked good. But either way, the run game for Georgia, I honestly think the run game for Georgia hasn't looked dominant because Georgia hasn't had to use the run game yet. And... The first three teams Georgia's played, it's made more sense to throw the ball the way we're doing it. Like, the game plan was better to throw the ball than it would have been to run the ball, especially against Oregon. Like, we could have ran the ball against Oregon, but, I mean, when you got guys like Justin Flo and Noah Sewell at middle linebacker, it's probably better to throw the ball, especially with how easy it was to take advantage of their secondary. So that's 
I don't think there's problems. I just think it's a lack of trying on Georgia's part to run the ball. The efficiency hasn't been there there. So, I mean, we'll see. We still got a long season to go, but I think Georgia's fine. Got anything for that question, Chad? I mean, not Chad. God, Jesus Christ. Chad is next. <laughs> has, has, has the next question. Matt, do you have anything for that uh, that question? No, I haven't watched enough Georgia to see any problems with their run game. I see them blowing teams out. That's so what does same. Matter? Yeah, that's that, that's that's exactly why. I said yeah, Georgia, right Georgia's there. so through three games. Georgia's fine. They're fine. All right. Next question is from Chad underscore five two nine. His question is: Is Kansas bull bound this year? Heck yeah. Kansas looks really good under Lance Leopold. They looked good last year, honestly. They looked leaps and bounds better than what they did under um, uh, Les Miles. So, uh, yeah, I think Kansas is going to win six games and get to a bowl game this year and win the bowl game. Kansas 100% is bowl bound. They are 3-0 and right now. They're about to play Duke, who Duke has also looked really good. But if you watch Kansas and you watch Duke play – this season, I mean, the way that Kansas has looked against some pretty decent teams, like especially last week against Houston. Oh my gosh, they look awesome. I honestly, I think they're going to be bowl bound. I honestly would not be shocked to see them playing Oklahoma in the Big Twelve Championship too. Kansas, I think it's a long shot, but I would not be <laughs> shocked. I mean, Texas looked good against Alabama, but you, without Quinn Ewers, I mean, unless Quinn Ewers comes back before the end of the year, I don't see Texas being that number two team. Like they look fine, but they're not like they don't look like world beaters. I don't see any team in the Big Twelve that looks like world beaters besides Oklahoma. Like I don't see Oklahoma even struggling with a single team this season. So far, we're through three weeks, so you never know. I still think Four Baylor's weeks. a good team. <laughs> <laughs> three weeks and week zero. <laughs> but either way, like Kansas to me has looked like the second best team in the Big Twelve through for in Lando's definitions, four weeks. So, I mean, granted, they haven't played, you know, the toughest schedule ever, but they're playing decent teams. I mean, they're playing Houston. They played Houston. They beat West Virginia by 13, and I thought West Virginia was a pretty good team coming into the year. And they played Tennessee Tech the first game, and they beat them 56-10. to 10. That's not bad. They look pretty solid. They played Duke this week. They got Iowa State at home the week after. I mean, obviously, the toughest teams on their schedule are going to be Oklahoma, Baylor, and Oklahoma State, and they play them all in a row. So they're not going to go undefeated. There's no way they're going to go undefeated. But I would not be shocked to see them end up like at the tip, 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 top. And when I say tip, 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 top, I mean absolute ceiling, 9-3, and 8-4. and four. I don't think it happens. I think it's going to end up being maybe 7-5. and 8-4 and four is a stretch, but it could happen. But I absolutely think they're going to a bowl game this year. I think that they're... I'm pumping the brakes a little bit on them. I, 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 I'm not trying to be uh, the Debbie Downer, but if you yeah, look you at are. Kansas, if you Dick. look at Kansas, they blew out Tennessee Tech. They should. They should they West really though? Yeah, it's Tennessee I mean, Tech. Yeah, it's but, but, Kansas. But, but, but Kansas, Kansas has been has been hor- horrible. It's Kansas the past several years. Fifty. They should they should they beat Tennessee Tech for the fifty six points. Fifty six points for Kansas. It's like it's like Hawaii. They, it's like Vanderbilt beating they, Hawaii as bad as they did. Like sixty six points for Vanderbilt. What? Go ahead, Matt. Sorry to cut you off. No, Go ahead. I'm not. But it's Tennessee Tech. Like we're really giving Tennessee Tech that much credit. No, we're giving Kansas the credit. 56 points against any team is really good. But for that Kansas. means we're giving Tennessee Tech. It's not basketball season. 
and they scored fifty six points in a, in a sporting event. Matt, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this stat out at you. This this is the first time Kansas has led the Big Twelve since two thousand seven. So that that just goes to show how how horrible Kansas has been for the past. How many years is that? That's fifteen. That's at least fifteen years. Fifteen years. So yes, that's why we say Tennessee yeah, Tech. Kansas. Is I mean, I understand that they haven't been good. I'm 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 not. I don't think that they are. They have been good at football, but for all the things that Les Miles does wrong, he does bring. He did bring some guys in there, and. Lance Leipold is a good guy to bring in that can't he's a good football. He's a football guy. He's a football coach. You you see the interviews of whenever he was at a D3 school and he just zoods football. He loves it. So it's a perfect guy for a Kansas job. I'm not saying that they, I think that they're awful, but I think they beat Duke. I think they lose to Iowa State. They lose to TCU. They lose to Oklahoma, lose to Baylor, lose to Oklahoma State. Maybe beat Texas Tech, lose to Texas, beat Kansas State five and seven. Mm. You think they win two games? They're three and zero. You think they win two games the rest of the season? I give them Texas Tech because Texas Tech, Texas Tech doesn't look tight. good. Hold tight, Gabe. Hold tight. I've, gave, watched, I've watched I a gave. lot of football this year, boys. I'm giving them Duke. I'm giving them Iowa State. I'm giving them TCU. I think they're six and zero going into Oklahoma. They'll get squat squashed by Oklahoma. They'll lose to Baylor. They'll lose to Oklahoma State. I think they lose to Texas Tech. I think they lose to Texas. Texas Tech is not good. Texas Tech is not that bad. Texas Tech is not. They're not good. that bad. They lost this past week. You knew that, right? I know they. I know they lost, but it was NC State. Who's they were number eighteen or sixteen? Yeah, like, whatever. NC State was supposed to win the ACC this year. Now, granted, I haven't think I, I didn't think they looked good. I thought Houston was going to be a really good team coming into the year, and they beat Houston in overtime, double overtime, by three. I like Texas Tech. I mean, Texas Tech isn't. I don't think they're going to be like a ten win team, but I think they're pretty solid. But I mean, Kansas Texas Tech's going to be a good game. I would yeah. take Texas Tech right now, but I think I think Kansas is going to win some games this year. I think they have a winning record by the end of the season. So they beat Duke. They beat Iowa State. Then they lose out. No, 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 no. He said he, he said they beat Duke. They win their next three games: Duke, Iowa State, TCU, all at home, and then they lose their next four, five. They lose their next five, and then Kansas State. I think to toss up. You think that they're, they're Kansas so you, State just lost to Tulane. Tulane's good though. So is Kansas. Boom. <sighs> hey, we'll see. I think I think their ceiling seven and five. I think their floor is five and seven, four and eight. Floor eleven and one, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Next question. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this Georgia question last because that that's a that'll be a quick one. Cool. I'm gonna I'll ask Mitch Feathers uh, question next. So at Mitch Feathers ask, should three and zero FSU Florida State uh, be top twenty five? Uh, what will it take for them to be a top twenty five team? Uh, I'm going to say that I think at the very least Florida State has looked good enough to be at least twenty five, twenty five or twenty four. At the very least, they look good. They're three and zero. I think they should be in the twenty to twenty five range right now. Yeah, that's yeah. That's I think I'm after losing Jordan Travis, I mean the way they looked against Louisville after losing Jordan Travis to me, I think they're going to struggle the rest of the way because of losing Jordan Travis. Because I think he was a big reason of why they've looked so good this year. And I didn't think Rotomaker looked that good. I mean, the rest of their team looks okay. The defense looks not that bad. Um, but I didn't think Louisville was very good, and they 
they were right on the cusp of losing to Louisville. They had to come back and beat them. Um, so well, I would say Friday night game on the road. You're, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But I, I'm going to say, yeah, as of right now, yes, they should be ranked. But without Jordan Travis, I don't see him finishing ranked. And I know that wasn't the question. I just want to say that. Matt, what do you think? I think they should be top 25 because I think LSU is better than anyone has really given them credit for. Yes, I agree. Uh, they, they, they look pretty dominant in the second half of the Mississippi State game this past weekend. Yep. And nobody was – and everybody coming in has been hyping up Mississippi State as being underrated, including 24-7 and CBS Sports. Their, like, power ranking system had Mississippi State in the top 11 or 10, and LSU kind of dominated that entire second half. And Florida State, the scoreboard shows that they won by one, but they kind of dominated 90% of that game too. Yep. So I think that, that Florida State is not getting – the brand love they normally do because they've been down for a couple of years. So, uh, I mean, shout out for not putting them directly in the top 25 just because Florida State's 3-0. and But if they win this weekend against Boston College and it's a sound win, they will make an appearance. And that would make that uh, Wake Forest game the following weekend in Tallahassee pretty interesting. Nice. All right. Uh, last question is from Misos one This person asks, uh, does Georgia have the weakest schedule in the top 25 currently? My answer to that is don't know, don't care. If Georgia wins out, they're going to go to the uh, championship four. I said championship four like it was NASCAR. They're going to go to the, to the uh, college football playoffs. Right? <laughs> championship four. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in NASCAR mode. Oof. I don't think it's the weakest in the top five uh, just because I don't think Oregon's great, but I don't think Oregon's that bad either. I mean, they just they did just dominate BYU. Um, Oregon's a mid pack team. I, I, that, that, that's what they are. I think I think Oregon's an upper team in the back in the Pac twelve, which is a mid pack team. The, the Pac twelve, yes, yes. See, so a mid pack team. I think the I think they're a top twenty five team, but I don't think they're a top fifteen team. Well, I think Oregon's like twenty to twenty five. They're in that that twenty to twenty five range, and that's probably where they finish up. Just because yeah. they'll play USC and maybe they'll be competitive. Who knows? I had them nine and three. But outside of that, I mean, they, Georgia played Samford, and then they played South Carolina. South Carolina is an SEC opponent, and you you can't take anything away from them. And they they have SEC talent on on that field. They were what six and six last year, so you know that's an SEC team. You've got other teams like I mean, Alabama's best. That they've they've played ULM. who isn't very good. Utah State, who isn't very good, and then they played Texas, who's see how when you practice today so we'll see how that goes uh, apparently that moved his time to they moved his timetable up to return so who knows i mean i would say but so no, far schedule. i would say so far this season if we're talking about the first three weeks clemson by far out of the top five teams has had the worst schedule i mean michigan's hasn't been great i mean they've played yukon hawaii and colorado state so that's pretty sad but honestly I don't think Georgia Tech is that far off from those teams. Granted, they played in the Benz. You know, it's a little bit of a different environment. Um, but, I mean, they played Louisiana Tech, and they played Furman. And Furman is an FCS team, which so is Sanford. So Georgia gets that knock, too. But the fact that Georgia played Oregon and then also played South Carolina, who both teams, I mean, like I mean, we said Oregon's probably going to be a top 25 team. And then South Carolina probably isn't going to be as good as everybody thought. But coming into the season, they were supposed to be pretty good. So... I'm going to say no to that. For the rest of the way, I would say Georgia is probably four. Clemson, to me, has four out of uh, – if the top schedule is number one, Georgia's probably four out of five. 
and I would say Clemson is five out of five. That their schedule sucks now that they, now that Notre Dame looks the way they do, they look terrible. I don't really. Wake Forest struggled with who they play. Liberty, they only beat Liberty by one. NC State's looked bad. Um, Miami, I mean, I think Miami's a good football team, but they get them at home, so that's really the only tough game on their schedule. I don't think Miami's going to be that much better than like a Tennessee or. Uh, honestly, even a Florida once you get to that point. So, or can it work Kentucky? Kentucky's a top 10 team right now, too. Um, so I'm going to say Georgia is definitely not the worst schedule, but still, I mean, I think Bama is probably has the toughest schedule, to be completely honest. guess we can go to pour one out here. Yeah, Matt, who are you pouring one out for? I'm pouring out one, pouring one out for uh, boy Trevor Lawrence. He had his welcome to the NFL moment this weekend. Finally. Finally, against the Colts, who were supposed to be good now that Matt Ryan is the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Frank Reich has been saying all he needs a quarterback away. Uh, and they had Carson Wentz last year, and they're like, oh, well, we uh, he needs a veteran quarterback to come in. They, they trade for Matt Ryan. And I have no hate against Matt Ryan, but my God, the Jacksonville Jaguars, if we, if, if we played the Colts 10 times a year, we'd be – Probably ten and six if it was in Jacksonville, um, or ten and seven. Now there's seventeen games, but man, uh, Trevor Lawrence finally looked like an NFL quarterback. Like I, there was a lot of times last year where I felt like he looked lost. Week one against Washington, I felt like he looked like he had he had moments where he'd make a great throw, and then he'd have like five terrible plays in a row, and it was just like, what is going on with with this with this guy? Is he the guy? Yesterday. He showed the, the the flash of guy, so uh, he is going to be the guy for the Jacksonville Jaguars until at least the end of next year. Uh, hopefully, he keeps improving. I really like what Doug Peterson's done with the Jaguars. Defense looks good. Team is looks a lot more competitive. We'll see how it all goes. Um, but pouring one out for Trevor Lawrence because finally something to be excited about. And I'm cutting off Jeff Collins. I know we talked about Georgia Tech a lot earlier, but. Florida Tech has a lot of potential. We've already talked about all the potential it has. I think it it could be a really cool environment. It's a it's not really a bad job. Uh, Jeff Collins has kind of run that thing completely in the dirt. Uh, he's got people begging for Paul Johnson to come run the triple option again <laughs> and bring them back to the glory of 2014 and winning an Orange Bowl. So uh, cutting off Jeff Collins because he has run that program into the ground and up next you know who you pouring one out pouring one out for uh so i will pour one out for kyler murray and his efforts yesterday uh to beat the raiders he basically single-handedly brought the 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 cardinals back to win that game it was awesome he was standing in the pocket juking out uh, defenders uh there was one play in particular that was like a 20 sec a 24 second play that he was able to uh convert uh the two-point conversion on and lead them back. Uh, the Raiders, yeah, it sucks for them. It really sucks. But Kyler Murray looked really good yesterday. Uh, he is single-handedly the reason that the Cardinals won that game yesterday. Uh, I am going to cut off the new Philadelphia Eagles logo. So they uh, unveiled that they have a new logo, uh, and they put it in the end zone this week for the first time, and it looks absolutely horrible as opposed to the old font that we used to have. So, uh, Do you have a picture of it? Yeah. Uh, hold on. Let me try and find a picture because i have not seen that at all that's so, awesome yeah the new philadelphia eagles logo is what i'm cutting off because it is it, it's it's atrocious it's really horrible and i hate it Matt, have you seen that the new logo no i have not 
Hold looking on. it up right now because I didn't even know they got a new logo. I didn't see ESPN and Bleacher Report didn't say a thing about it, or at least I missed it if they did. Oh crap! I gotta go back and find it. Uh, it is. It's. It, it's like like the old Eagles logo that that the one that 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 we all grew up on is the OG. It's it's awesome, but this new one is just it's just super basic and bland. Anyway, while we're waiting for Lando, yeah, yeah. somebody else go yeah. while, while wait for me to. Oh pull wait, this up. hold on. Uh, Keys found it. Is it like? It looks like a like a three. Yeah, like a backwards that's it right three. There. Oh, just like the E? Like the yeah, the font's terrible. The font, it's the font. Oh, I don't like that either. Why'd they change like the, that? Yeah. The old font was cool. Didn't they have like the yeah. wing or something on it? Uh, they had the wings on the yeah, E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that there that it is right there. That's that awful. That's yeah. So that that's the, that's oh, the new one. And and the, the, the one on the top is the one. See how that's I'm, horrible. It's I'm absolutely double, horrible. I'm doubly cutting that off. That's terrible. Wow. Yeah. That's so, terrible. The Eagles are actually playing well. Why would they do that? Yeah, the Eagles are really good. Is that going to be what goes on the jerseys? Um, oh, Lord Jesus, so. I hope not. Please, no. <laughs> I, I love, dang, I love the Eagles logo, too. But I, the I, game right now, not on there, so. Ugh. I think slowly but surely they're they're integrating that into the organization, and uh, it's just really bad. Wit. Well, I'm pouring one out for a place that not a lot of people enjoy in the SEC, and that's Columbia, South Carolina. I had a great time. Really enjoyed the cockaboos. Really enjoyed the bar scene. Got to go hang out at Salty, which is honestly to me like a, more of a islandy vibe of Dingus McGee's from Georgia Southern. Uh, we sat at a booth. We got beer pitchers. They had cool appetizer deals. Uh, the food was great. Beer was great. We hung out there for a long time. Lots and lots of college people hanging out. But you know, I was with my cousins, and it's my dad and my uncle Stick and my aunt Julie and. Uh, and then their kids go to South Carolina, so they were hanging out with us. We had a great time. Uh, got to go to a bar called Nightcaps, which to them is a bar that you go to like late, late, late at night. You go at like 11 or 12 after you're at the bars earlier, and that bar stays open till 6 a.m. Now, granted, we didn't stay that late. I probably left. I think we got there at like 10. I left around 12.30 because we were getting up at 8 a.m. to tailgate the next morning since it was, it was a noon game. Uh, but got to go do the whole tailgate scene. Got to drink with all the cousins, the Seawolves. Great to see them. Uh, I really liked. Um, so South Carolina, the stadium is pretty far away. I mean, it's like it's probably like three miles away from the main campus, and there's no classrooms or anything around it. It's nothing but field, and like you can see downtown and everything else. So it's not like you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. But there's tons and tons of room for tailgating, lots of tents, lots of people walking around. They have the cockabooses that pretty much surround the stadium. Lots of people hanging out over there, drinking, you know, having a good time. And uh, But, you know, we got to go to the game, got good seats, got the season tickets, got to hang out in the cockaboose lounge. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I like Columbia. I think people need to give it more credit. And uh, I actually think I will start going every year that they give me the tickets they did this year, which as of – Per conversation, sounds like it's going to be a every other year thing, like every time they play at South Carolina. So I'm excited to go back, and uh, maybe I'll take you guys next time because I think you all have a good time. But And I am cutting off Spencer Rattler, and uh, I'm cutting it off for a couple of reasons. Number one, starting with the fact that he is terrible at <laughs> football. I mean, that guy, he can't throw a ball at all. I'm, it, it honestly surprises me because I thought he looked a lot better at Oklahoma. I mean, he had his games – where he did not look good. He made some really bad decisions, made some bad throws, but he always kind of looked like he had the talent. And at South Carolina, he does not look that way at all. He misses everything. He 
the receivers aren't that bad. The offensive line's terrible. The run game's really bad. But he can't do anything. I mean, he cannot do a single thing. And before the game, uh, I believe it was two days before the game, it came out in Columbia News that he said, them giving us plus 24 is a direct slap in the face. I plan on hanging 60 on Georgia today. Or he said it the day of the game, I guess. I'll break them dogs from chewing on bones one way or the other. They haven't played against a Heisman frontrunner like me before. We play Beamer ball around here. And he looked like garbage and got absolutely shat on. So, Spencer Rattler, you're getting cut off, man. Um, I hope you fail and never succeed in life. Keys, who are you pouring one out for? All right, so I'm pouring one out for underdogs in college football. We've had a couple of really entertaining games uh, like Texas-Alabama, if you want to call Texas an underdog. And we've had games like last week or this previous week, we had South Florida contesting against Florida, even though Florida's kind of down. Sorry, Chad. Uh, but really what I want to talk about with the underdogs is the Fun Belt. Sun Belt has come to play this year. We've got notable wins like uh, App State over number six, Texas A&M. We got Marshall new to the Sun Belt this year over number eight, Notre Dame. Georgia Southern over Nebraska. And you have Old Dominion over Virginia Tech. So a lot of good wins this year for the Sun Belt. They've really come out to play. And you've had some really good games within the Sun Belt as well. Uh, like this week, you had App State versus Troy with an incredible last-second Hail Mary. So good for the Sun Belt for coming to play this year. They've got, got all these super conferences kind of coming together, so they had to play for something. So good for them. And I am cutting off the Raiders fans prematurely celebrating. when <laughs> They were up 23-7. to and they start popping champagne bottles in the stands, and they end up losing that game because of Kyler Murray. Fantastic playing by Kyler Murray. But just, you got them literally down on the front row popping champagne bottles. Yeah, that was a great game. My future on the Vegas Raiders winning their division, um, which includes the Broncos, Chiefs, and Chargers, is looking really bad right now. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> I'll eat the $5. Anyway, uh, guys, let's go ahead and move on to our locks of the week. Matt, who you got this week? My lock of the week this week is USC as six-and-a-half-point favorites over Oregon State. I think Oregon State is a decent team, and going to play in Corvallis is never very easy task, especially for USC. I remember back whenever they were rolling in the mid-2000s uh, when they would go play at Oregon State. It was always a tough, tough uh for them, and they had the Jaquiz, the, the, uh, Jaquiz Rogers, the Rogers – brothers they were on those teams uh for oregon state but I, I just think that the usc offense is so dynamic right now and caleb williams is playing so well that this is easily uh i feel like it's stealing money uh just to, all i have to have is usc win by a touchdown give me that all day put it on lock uh usc as six and a half point favorites over the oregon state beavers you know I'm going to go quick. Not a whole lot of analysis on this one. I'm going to go Washington over Stanford. That's my lock. Wit. Good pick. Washington looked pretty good last week. Uh, I'm going with the nerds from Nashville, Vanderbilt. They're a 40-and-a-half-point underdog at Alabama in Tuscaloosa. I think they cover that, and I I think they cover it pretty easily. I don't, I'm not saying Vanderbilt is going to have any shot of beating Alabama. I think Alabama is going to kick their teeth in. But 40 points is a lot of points. It's kind of nuts. It's nuts. Vanderbilt has looked very solid this year, too. I'm not saying Vandy still is not the worst team in the SEC East. 
which honestly, Missouri hasn't looked that great. So that game is that game's going to be a fun one. Um, but I think they're good enough to at least keep it within 30 points against Alabama. I'm predicting Alabama wins that game around 28, maybe 24 to 28 points instead of the normal 70 that they hang on uh, Vanderbilt every time they play them. So Vanderbilt plus 40 and a half, take it. That's a lock. Keys, who you got? All right, so I don't pick the rest of the game, so I'm picking Georgia Southern for my lock, even though we are picking them as one of our picks. Uh, I got Georgia Southern over Ball State. The spread is nine and a half, but I think Georgia Southern takes this by 14. Ball State's not that great. They haven't played very well. Georgia Southern lost last week to UAB. Very sad for all of us here, but they've been playing pretty well this season so far under uh, Clay Helton, so I think they're going to roll over Ball State at least 14 points. Well, Keys, that's a great segue into our first pick of the week. Ball State at Georgia Southern. Obviously, we say this every year, we all went to Georgia Southern. We're all Georgia Southern fans. Georgia Southern, so far, has had the best season I've had, or at least they look the best, that I have seen them have since becoming a Georgia Southern football fan. Um, and uh, like he said, they're a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, taking on Ball State in the prettiest little stadium in America. Paulson Stadium, our favorite place on earth besides Dingus McGee's. Uh, Matt, who are you picking? Our Paulson. Oh. That's, I mean, that's all I got to say. Uh, I think they cover the spread pretty easily here. Ball State, like he said, not very good. They're going to play in Statesboro, Georgia, the Nat capital of the of the universe, as uh, claimed by the great late, great Irk Russell. Eags by 90. Lando. Yeah, it's homecoming, so uh, I'm going to go with Georgia Southern. It's homecoming already? It's early. Yep. God, what is up with all these schools having the early homecoming? Either way, I don't pick against Georgia Southern, especially at home. Um, so I'm going Georgia Southern. I do think it's close. I think Ball State's a pretty solid football program. Uh, the last couple of years have been pretty good. Two years ago, they won the MAC. Um, so I, I think it's a close cover. I think it's maybe 10, maybe 17 points. But I'm going Southern. I mean, Van Trees has looked good. Uh, he's, he's got to chill out with the interceptions. But I think Ball State's a team where we could run the ball. And uh, I think if we get the run game going, we don't have to rely as much on Van Trees throwing the ball downfield. Um, so I think we'll be okay. I thought the funniest thing was seeing you guys talk about in the group message. I never thought we'd have a, have the problem with Georgia Southern not running the ball. Yes. Well, it's funny because our run game is actually really good, too. The The passing game is just better. I mean, honestly, we look like an air raid team with a good run game. It's very weird. I honestly think our offense and Mississippi State's offense looks very similar, which I don't think was the plan with Clay Helton. But either way, moving on to the big noon kickoff game this week. We got Maryland against number four, Michigan. Michigan is a 17-point favorite. Matt, he got in this one. I want to see Coach Loxley uh, do well there at Maryland, but they're going to the big house, and I think that's going to help Michigan. I'm going to take Maryland to cover, Michigan to win. Uh, I I think it's like a a close cover, or a close 15 14-point loss for Maryland, but I think that they hold it close there for a little bit. Uh, Mike Loxley and gang there from, uh, from Maryland, uh, I think that they do they, they hold their own for a little bit. But ultimately, Michigan's just still a pretty a really talented team and, and a Big Ten standards at least. Uh, so I'm going, going Maryland. Michigan's gonna, Michigan is going to blow them out. That's, that's how I foresee the game going for the big noon kickoff. So I got Michigan. I completely agree with Lando. I mean, Maryland has looked good. I mean, they're 3-0. They've scored a lot of points on the teams they're playing. 
Offense looks great. Talia looks fine. Um, but they haven't played a good team. And Michigan hasn't either. And there's a lot of questions about Michigan's defense coming into this season that the teams that are playing, it's kind of hard to answer those questions on. Um, so I think this is how Michigan answers the questions on their defense. I think they look really good against Maryland. I think they shut them down. I think they win this game big. I think Michigan's offense is one of the best in the country. Um, and I'll say coming into this season, I thought there were three teams that were going to compete for a national championship, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. Right now, I think there's five. I think I've added Michigan and I've added Oklahoma to those teams. I think those five teams have good enough defenses and strong offenses to where they are going to compete for a national championship. Obviously, all five of them can't make the playoff. Um, I honestly think only three of those teams are going to make the playoff. Take your pick. But either way, I got Michigan covering this game easily. I think they win by over 30. Moving on to our next game. This is our ACC game of the week. It's a top 25 matchup. We got number five heading into number 21, Wake Forest. And uh, Clemson is a seven and a half point favorite. Matt, who you got in this one? Look, I think Wake Forest is a decent team. I don't think Clemson is a world beater like they have been in the past. I still think DJ is very, very overhyped, and they're, they're trying to make it work with him there. But until – oh, what's the, what's the kid's name? Uh, the backup, Cade. Cade Klubnick. <laughs> yes, Cade Klubnick. I think until the, the Debo pulls the pulls the trigger and lets Clubnick come in, uh, Clemson's going to continue to be just a, a, a very mediocre offense with a really good defense. Still think Clemson wins this game. I, Wake Forest hasn't really played anybody. I know they're 3-0. They haven't looked great either in any of their games. So, uh, oh, it's it's on, on a road game for Clemson, but I, I still like Clemson to win and cover. I think they win by 10. Maybe more if they're. I just don't think Wake Forest is going to do much scoring. Um, yeah, why not? I'll go with Wake Forest to win by, let's say, a field goal. They'll they'll upset them. Uh, I actually do think it's going to be close. I've watched every single game Clemson's played this year, and so far to me, every game they start off really slow in the first half. DJ specifically starts off really slow. Uh, Will Shipley takes him a while to get going. Second half, they start blowing everybody's doors off. So I'm going to say Wake Forest has a lead at halftime, and I think Clemson comes up with the win, but I think they only win by three or four points. So I'm going to say Wake Forest covers with the seven and a half being at home. Um, I think it's a high-scoring game for sure, which is strange to say because Clemson's offense is not that good. But Wake Forest's defense is terrible, and Clemson hung, I want to say, 40-something points on them last year. So it's not a not a realm of possibility. So Clemson by four, and uh, moving on to what I did not know until now is the college game day game of the week, and also Josh Pate's game of the week. Uh, number twenty Florida taking on number eleven Tennessee games in Neyland Stadium, Knoxville, Tennessee. Tennessee is a whopping eleven point favorite against Florida. Uh, Matt, what do you think about this one? I put this in the group me the other day. Tennessee uh, scares me this year very much so. Uh, I think Tennessee blows the doors off of Florida. Uh, this is a statement game for Josh Heupel and the boys in Knoxville to really show their, that they're here and they're serious. Um, I like Florida, man. Nalen's going to be rocking. It's going to be a raucous environment, especially with game day going to town. 
Tennessee's got a lot of momentum. They've got a, the, the, the students and the fans have never really not been going out there. And even through this whole time that they haven't been great, the, the fans have been packing it out. So they're going to pack it out, and they've got a lot to cheer for. I think they blow out Florida this weekend. And by blowout, I think it's like a 17- to 20-point win for, for Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee looks pretty good, and uh, I think this is just going to give them some more confidence moving forward. I'm with Matt. I agree with everything you just said. Florida sucks. Tennessee looks good. See, I kind of disagree with you guys. I, I think for, Tennessee's an easy pick in this game. I think Tennessee wins the game, um, especially with the fact of it being at home. Tennessee's a strong team this year. They have a, you know, not my favorite fan base in the world, but a strong and passionate fan base nonetheless. Um, and a loud stadium, loudest stadium I've ever been to for sure. Um, so they'll come out, they'll come out hot, but I still think Florida is a is a solid team. I don't think they're a top 25 team, but I think they're right outside of the top 25 for me right now. Like a 28 to 30 team as of now. And that could change. I still think they're gonna end up six and six or seven and five based on their schedule. But I also don't think Florida is the type of team that's going to get blown out by anybody this year, um, besides maybe Georgia. Honestly, uh, Georgia is the only team I see beating them by more than 20. Um, 11 is tight. I could see Tennessee winning by 11. But I'm going to say Florida covers, but Tennessee wins the football game. I'm going to say it's like a 10-point game. And moving on to our other SEC game of the week, we have number 10, Arkansas, taking on number 23, Texas A&M. Coming off that big win over Miami in the late night game. Uh, A&M is a two and a half point favorite, which kind of shocked me a little bit. But I guess Arkansas struggled with Missouri State. So makes some sense. Matt, what do you think about this one? I think Arkansas was looking ahead a week and they almost got caught flat on their heels. They're not looking. They 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 that game has been huge because they play in Jerry World, which is another reason why I was surprised that uh that AM was favored because AM hasn't looked very inept. Or they have looked very inept on the offensive side of the ball. Their defense flies around. They play, I thought they played a really good game against Miami, who uh coming into the game had had, had hung some points on on a couple of not good teams, but uh 30 on Southern Miss, and I think they put up 70 on School of the Blind. Uh but Nonetheless, Miami came in with with an offensive game plan that is that is pretty good, and they just look they couldn't get anything going. And a lot of that was because of Texas A&M's depth on defense. They were bringing in freshmen that uh to come in. They they had two guys suspended, two guys got ejected, and they didn't miss a beat. A couple freshmen that played say uh the the safety Robinson came in and absolutely played lights out. But Woo Pig in this game, I think Arkansas again was looking ahead a week got caught with their feet stuck in the dirt against a Missouri State team. And people kind of forget that, that Bobby Petrino is not a terrible football coach. He's a terrible human being, but he's not a terrible football coach. And he had those guys ready for his reunion in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, so I'm going Woo Pig. I think they win by a touchdown over Santa, maybe even 10 points. I'll go with Arkansas. I'd I'm not really high on Texas A&M this year. They should have lost to Miami, but Miami shot themselves in the foot many, many times. So I'm going to go with uh, Arkansas. Well, I have a bet with Orlando that A&M is going to win nine games this year. So I have to pick Texas A&M. But to be completely honest with you guys, I think A&M is better than a lot of people are giving them credit for. I think the offense 
looked better against Miami than they did against App State with the change at quarterback. Um, I honestly think the reason they only scored 17 points in that game is because Miami's defense is legit. Their defensive backs looked really solid, really solid. Honestly, the team in general, Leonard Taylor, former five-star player, absolute stud for Miami. He looked unbelievable. He was completely unblockable in that game, completely stifled the run game for Texas A&M. I don't think Arkansas has the guys on defense to do that against them. I don't think they're going to you know, throw up a ton of points. I think it's a low-scoring game. I think A&M wins by three. I see this as like a 13-17 to 17 or 17-20 to 20 type game. Uh, kind of like how it was last year. It wasn't just like Arkansas won. I think they won what? Like 28 to 14 or 21 to 7 or something like that. Like it was low scoring. Couple big plays were the big change in the game. I think it's the same thing in this game. Honestly, I think it comes down to a kickoff return from Devin A. Chain because he does it every single game. Um, like he did against Bama. He did against App State too. You know, they lost that game. Uh, but I'm going to go AM by three in Jerry World. And moving on to our final game of the week. We got Wisconsin taking on number three, Ohio State. For some reason, I thought this was a college game day game, but I was completely wrong. They're going to Knoxville. and uh, But Ohio State is wearing black jerseys for this game, and they get them at home, and they're an 18-point favorite. Matt, what do you think? Ohio State blowout. I, I, I think Ohio State's on a mission right now to – they know that the ultimate goal is to go to the, the college football playoff and to the national championship. That is what the they've got the talent – got the team and they're at home if this game was in wisconsin i think the wisconsin might have a chance no chance uh game being in columbus at the horseshoe or i'm at is it a night game as well it is a night game it night is a game in columbus is wearing a the black student jerseys. student blackout and blackout i've heard blackout jerseys i don't know if that's true or not yeah, good luck good luck wisconsin yeah. i think i think this is a an absolute beat down in columbus uh give me ohio state Yep, same. The Ohio State University wins in a blowout. See, for me, this is a game that intrigues me because I'm curious to see how Wisconsin looks going into a game where they know they're going to have adversity. I think against Washington State when they lost that game, they kind of thought they'd come in and just beat the crap out of them. Because Washington State, I mean, since Mike Leach was there, they haven't done anything like spectacular. I mean, this year they're 3-0 and and they look actually pretty solid. But before then, I mean, they haven't really done much. So, um, obviously, going to Ohio State, they know this is their biggest game of the year. They know they got to win the game. Uh, but the fact that Ohio State has the blackout, they get them at home. Ohio State's already disrespected because they're number three after beating Notre Dame and not looking good against Notre Dame. But then the last two teams they played, they've beaten the crap out of them. Uh, I'm going to say for sure cover by Ohio State, but it is a game I have on my radar that I'll be watching. Check to see how Wisconsin defense looks against that offense. Well, that's our show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Before you guys log off today, please don't forget to drop us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow on our Instagram and TikTok at Around the Keg and on Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. If you'd like to help support future episodes, please click the support link in the description of today's episode or check out our merch at AroundTheKeg.com. Send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Have a great week. See y'all. <laughs>